Cool. Are we ready to go? Are we ready to do it? Yup. Yes. Yes, we are. All right, I'm turning down the music. Hello, everybody. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Research VR podcast and coming at you live on a Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Pacific. We're doing this every week, everybody. Uh, if you don't know that by now, you should because we've transformed from a podcast to a live video podcast, which is really fun. Um, with me yes. today, I don't know if my co-host, which was supposed to be over here in the ether, isn't uh, showing up his, his avatar, but... But his uh, audio is there. Oh God, he's he's coming as a voice of God from within. <laughs> yes, I'm a ghost today. And before to, we join you, to my left, actually, uh, our special guest, Anton Hand, uh, the developer behind Hot Dogs, Horseshoes, and Hand Grenades. Can't forget about this. Um, <laughs> one of the earliest, I'd say, Vive and Steam VR games that was out there. Um, one of the more updated things that's been on the store and probably one of the best-selling things that's out there. Um, and not not only that, I'd also mention, it's probably th some of the videos that we've seen about VR have been coming from H3, like just really cool gun tricks and reloads, and we'll get into those and show some examples in a bit. But hi, Anton. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, too. Howdy, howdy. Peter is pop his avatars popping into the world oh <laughs> coming through we'll see if he uh if he situates himself well everybody um today is what's our what's our date today is actually september 3rd wow can you believe that nine months in already um we are we are on our 49th episode our 50th is coming i guess next week which is really exciting um we did not know how long the Research VR podcast would go when we first started it, but here we are, transformed into avatars, speaking in VR. <laughs> this is the final realization of what we wanted a podcast to be, is essentially uh, to be able to interact like we would in, 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 in real life. Um, and we're, we're getting there. It's really, it's really exciting. Um, Anton, how are you surviving the heat? Are you, it's it's, it's <laughs> I know. central air and... Uh... Uh, I, it, it, yeah, luck, I guess. I mean, there's a fire burning to the northwest <laughs> of me on a mountain, which is a little nerve wracking oh, uh, at, For... at the moment. I can't, I keep, I, I keep, I keep pulling open Twitter and being like, well, is Burbank burnt to the ground yet? <laughs> Because we're next if that happens. Oh, dude, seriously. For for those of you guys that don't know what's going on, uh, well, anyone that's not really in California, which half of our audience actually is in Germany. Hello, uh, my, our German friends. It's really cool. Um, California has been having this crazy heat wave this weekend where I'm in San Francisco, and San Francisco gets... You know, it's cold usually, it's, especially during the summer. It's around like fifty to sixty degrees Fahrenheit, like ten degrees Celsius, and like, and it was so hot this summer or this weekend. It got up to like thirty, forty Celsius, or like a hundred and ten Fahrenheit, um, breaking records. And they say climate change doesn't exist. And oh yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's been freaky here because you step outside at eleven p.m. and it feels as hot outside as a summer day at noon minus the yeah, sun it's yeah. you're you're not accustomed to feeling that is sort of air at night it's and creepy you're, and you're lucky i mean you're in la you guys are used to having ac in the houses like that's not something that san francisco people think about like we don't have ac in the huh. houses we don't need ac for most of like 
for most of the year. I'd say maybe for a week or two. Um, so anyway, enough about the weather, everybody. Let's talk about VR. Uh, we want to, we want to go through a few bits of news this week before we jump into H3. So first bit of news here, I'll make the big screen a little bit bigger. Pull it in so y'all can see, um, windows, Mixed VR, I, I like that Road to VR calls it the Windows VR headsets and not mixed reality headsets. Windows VR headsets and controller bundles launch this holiday. Look at them. There's a ton of new headsets coming out. $300 or three to $400 with 10 track controllers. Steam VR compatible. So many good, cool little features here and there. Um, but yeah, that's that's really big news. It seems like the, the market for v, that, you're going to be able to play the user base of players on steam vr is gonna is gonna grow hopefully at, at an exponential rate with when when hardware cheap hardware cheaper hardware like this comes out um anton have you had a chance to i don't know make uh, develop on any of the windows mixed reality headsets yet no i've been it's been one of those weird things that that while i've i've heard about the platform for a while i've talked you know any everyone who went to vision uh was yeah. getting i believe it was a, a headset from acer um it's they I haven't been able to get a ton of specific information about what their Steam VR support exactly is. Um, right, right. How does so that even I, work? I, yeah, I mean, I assume it's just going to be, you know, another, you know, a sort of a, a, a driver shim uh, into the API. But it's uh, yeah, it's my the questions that I have basically are how do the hands behave? when the controllers are outside of the headset's ability to track them. And they essentially fall back just to sensors. Um, because especially for H3, yeah. you're doing a lot of interactions off, sort of off in front of you. Um, it's the same reason why something like Leap Motion wasn't appropriate for H3, because your hands really only right. exist when they're in front of your in your head. And in the case of H3, we're pulling things off of our shoulders all the time. We're grabbing things down at our pockets, knowing that we're over them just by a haptic buzz and a sound, basically. Got so, it. Well, only time will tell. Only time will tell. I think, and, and I was actually surprised that there are going to be Steam VR compatible headsets that aren't Lighthouse tracked. I thought that had to be a requirement, you know, given, given that it's from Valve. Seems like it's not. It seems like if it's, if it's a sixth off control headset, it seems to be like a, a certain requirement for it to actually work, at least from Valve's side. Um, yeah, I mean, why would you, uh, you know, force uh, only the lighthouse things if it kind of still tracks you movement in the room? It's kind of, you know. Oh, let's take a look through the headsets, guys. Like these, I mean, some of them look yes. dorky as hell. Like, look at this one. Look, what, what, what is that? Come on, it looks like from the 90s. Yeah, but then you look at this one, it's like, ooh. A little bit more alien, a little oh. bit more nicer. Actually, my favorite one. Let me let me look it up. The Lenovo uh, VR headset. I think it's that's the one that looks like polygons. Oh, that's not it. Which one? Oh no, that's an Asus one. That's the Asus. Okay. Well, see, they all they, oh. all they all blend into the same thought here. Right. That's the Lenovo. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um. There it is. Let's take a look at this. And this actually is, I think, is the most expensive one. Um. Let's take a yep. look. So check oh. out the polygons. Sorry, I'm like totally leaning away from the camera so that people can see behind me. Um, 
Yeah. It, it, so for people in the podcast, this is kind of an, uh, the front of the headset has the same two, uh, cameras that all this, all these Microsoft mixed reality headsets do, but they have, it, it's, it has a nice polygonated, <laughs> uh, material in the front kind of looks like you mm. know, polygon art. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really which one neat. will you get? Uh, which one would you buy? Me? I, I would like yeah. the white one, the, the Dell one. I thought that was really neat. Oh. Uh, let's let's look at that. This one. I mean, it looks like an alien, but <laughs> definitely. What what do you guys think about the fact that um, you know those headsets run directly with Microsoft Windows, right? You don't need anything else. That's like an advantage. It's an advantage and a disadvantage because I I mean I've heard and I don't know if this is a hundred percent confirmed, but you have to not only be running Windows ten, but a specific be up to date to a certain point in Windows 10 to run these, which is a bit of a non-starter for me because I run 8.1 on my work machine. It's what I like to do, and I don't like arbitrarily changing my OS to suit a single piece of software platform. Right. Um, You're not so about the I Windows hope, 10 life, are you? No, not at all. I mean, I, I, Windows 10 is more secure. Yeah, but I, um. it's, it's, it's one of those, for me, the deal breaker is its ability to decide that it needs to restart for an update right now, regardless of what I'm doing, until they change Things that Things I can No, it still doesn't. No, still I, I, oh. I totally feel you on that. I've had Windows updates come up at the worst time before going live on multiple occasions. Oh. Like, either I'm on a trailer shoot and we're trying to shoot mixed reality footage and, oh, let's give it 15 minutes because it needs to update. Um... And any and I mean, yeah, that 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 part I really agree with. However, from what I've heard from other developers is that running Windows 10, uh, there are certain features that they have in Windows 10 just that just don't work for in Windows 8 for VR in terms of like how well it runs, how well. I mean, but I guess having a Windows 8 machine that you're developing on helps you also test out what like the 10 to 20 percent of users that you might, that might run across uh, H3 VR. Yeah, honestly, I, th I, th I think the percentage is still larger. And this is, oh, the, I mean, so? this is, this is, this is a tangent of a topic, but you know, right. it's, I, I've run <laughs> into several issues with H3 in the past that are Windows 7 specific, that actually affect a non-trivial percentage of users. And the whole software stack is no longer QA'd on Windows 7 at all. Right. And I've been told as much. Right. So I've been told to like, tell your users to update Did to an, a, a modern yeah. operating system. And we forget that there is a sizable percentage of gamers that do not want to give up Windows 7, that they don't, that it, it isn't a benefit to them to do so. Um, and I imagine it'll be that way in a while. Yeah, but it's kind of very bad regards security. And other issues, like I, I mean, it's just an anecdote. But the girl recently who I live with gave me her laptop and said, "Oh, it ran out of space. It's so bad." I looked at it, it was Windows Vista, and apparently some <laughs> jerk told her not to update because all oh, Windowses are bad. Just keep your Vista going, and this. OS, you know, just basically wrote all the locks on the hard disk, and it's terrible for people. People should be forced to switch to newer operation systems. I would argue for that. Um, it's more secure, more features, you know. It definitely is. However, this isn't the topic at hand, so we're going to keep moving. No, no, no. Uh, oh, I'm going to mention exactly. it has a four meter cable. These uh, Windows VR yes. headsets—that's pretty nice—and a 1440 by 1440 display. So, um, just standard. It's stand. Well, it's higher the higher res than Vives and yep. Rifts. Um, however, they're LCDs and not OLEDs. So, yeah. curious, oh. P Peter, can you move your your screen from here? This is your tablet. No. <laughs> 
Can you, well, spawn your tablet. There you go. All right, moving on. Um, we, let's talk a little, well, I guess, I don't know if I want to go too deep into what apps are actually coming out on Windows uh, or well, Windows Mixed Reality. The, it looks like a lot for sure. And, um, but it's not, it's actually not that many things like we have. Well, actually big screen, the app that we're in is actually going to be on Windows Mixed Reality, which is cool. Nice. We can have, you know, people joining in and hopefully for our listeners and viewers out there, once big screen you know, they have plans on expanding the player count in a room. Once that kind of expands, Ooh. we are thinking of having audience members actually be inside a big screen as well. You know, sitting here and, and also seeing the discussion. So that could be something really fun. Um, I do hope they implement the ability for them to throw tomatoes at us, though. That, that, seems, would be awesome. that seems like an absolutely critical feature. Minimum viable product <laughs> right there. Tomatoes. I like that. Um, I'm gonna th- I would kind of argue it's more donations, but... <laughs> <laughs> that, hey, you can turn, you know, Bitcoin coins into things and get Tomatoes, thrown. you can throw at me. Yeah. Oh, that, there, there you go. Um, this isn't something that I really want to kind of run past you, Anton Rift summer sale drives record gains, highest steam, highest steam market share yet. So people that have been, you know, following games on steam spy on, there's a few other ones. VRL FG, I think is another one that's just for VR games. Um, they've just been seeing big bumps uh, with users coming through because of the steam, uh, because of the rift sale at first about a month ago and, and HTC, I think about a week ago, uh, maybe, maybe one or two weeks ago, dropped their prices down to, uh, was it a hundred or $200? $200. So the price drop was 200. Yeah. To $60. Um, pretty good. I mean, there's there's been rec- there's been a lot of gains in users and Anton hopefully can you add a little bit to this discussion in terms of that oh it's it's we've certainly felt it um it's I mean I would say that it started um even even when even before the summer of rift like sales were announced there was the inherent sort of end of school summer bump right and then that sort of jumped on top of that and I've definitely seen a far greater influx of of rift users comparatively. But some of that also has to do with the, uh, our increased support of the platform. Sure. So, uh, as in, like launching on the Rift and supporting Touch. Oh, I'm. I mean, just in terms of like uh, having more specific over behavior overrides uh, in the game and better supporting front-facing configuration. Oh, got it. Okay, that makes sense. The big thing. Um, so here, uh, Road to VR has a, I guess, a picture from. I believe this is from Steam itself. Uh, you can see kind of yeah, how it should be. Yeah. Bumped. Uh, there's this. This is the little bump that we're talking about here. Um, a the rift has been kind of steady going. I'm I'm trying not to block the video here. Uh, and then there's a nice sizable bump as well uh, on. So I and and actually I'd love to see the the stats on like how many rift users actually use Steam VR. Like I do, but I don't think that everyone does. Like it's not. So it's not something that's apparent from day one that oh like Oculus works with Steam like so yep. that's 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 curious and there's still a solid number of people on the Rift DK two and I don't think any more any I don't think anyone on the DK one <laughs> these days says zero well, I mean, percent it's just a puking machine so yeah three point eight percent DK two that's not bad it's still that high for the <laughs> DK two that blows me away well then again I've had I've had it's people cheap. ask me on whether like hey i've got a dk2 and a hydra will h3 work with it i've got a dk2 and those nolo controllers yeah yes i I actually got the nolo the nolo is not bad it's a very raw prototype but they don't transfer velocity information correctly 
into oh. like, don't send it into 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 uh into Steam VR correctly. So if you're trying to throw interesting using them, it doesn't work. Mm. But otherwise, all, oh. the button, all the button mapping works just fine. Yeah, I just got it, and I need to still hack around with it. But good to know. That's interesting. Yeah, um, seems like I mean these controllers, Steams, Steams, and Oculuses seem to be the best so far. And and as a developer, I would say I mean concentrate on those two before you would even think about trying to support Hydra and whatnot. Like that's that's. I mean, we had the last. Exactly. We had last episode this great video where the guys hacked with a leap motion and, you know, some kind of Hydra controllers, you know, a full Vive controller, which is also crazy. If you're going for that road, the games might not support full features, right? Right. Kind of, you know, you cheap out of the proper deal and something might not work. So don't blame it on the developers. That's right. But yeah. Moving on, I want to keep these uh, short stories short, actually, around like a, we'll do a five minute mar- five minute timer unless it warrants a discussion and we're you know not agreeing on things which often happens <laughs> um this is okay i'd say probably this is the most interesting uh piece of news that came out this week and i want you guys to help me decipher what it actually means mm. otoy you know the guys behind all these light field renderings they've done a ton of mo- movie vfx work now and a ton in video games otoy wants to make light field rendering affordable with a super computing cluster that you get paid to be a part of Hold your hold your mm-hmm. hold your size back. Cryptocurrencies are interesting. I, I, I want us to come at this with a kind of overarching um, viewpoint of of how wh- what the hell can we do with cryptocurrencies and how it can apply into rendering um, pixels essentially. Right? Have you have you heard about this, Anton? I don't know if you've followed it at I've, all. I've seen a few mentions for it. I mean, I mean, I tend to be Captain Cynic. With a bunch of these things, okay. Um, just because for for the simple fact of of that that a a lot of these systems t- tend to be very like power inefficient from a like they're 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 they they may be neat but they're not environmentally friendly solutions to whatever mm. their problem space is, um, and they're all undermined by the fact that internet throughput speed in the United States is terrible. That is very that's a very good point actually. Our internet. Our internet infrastructure is like light fields behind, oh, light years behind uh, other countries, <laughs> uh, including in Europe and, and Asia. So it's kind of funny that America it, began it, to- it undermines every single like real time or pseudo real time cloud rendering initiative. Hmm. That, you know, even if we're talking about major city to major city connections, coast to coast, they're still atrocious. Um, relative well, okay. Relative um, um, actually, if you go for the Lightfield article, as far as I understand, what they aim at is not necessarily real-life rendering, but they want to use the blockchain technology that, you know, a lot of other companies use for different cryptocurrencies, and you basically get a token that you render things with. And what you do is you can basically render Lightfields, and you do the calculation before you actually run the game. So, you you know, you calculate for two days, for three days in a huge cluster, whatever, the light fields, and then it saves you a lot of performance while you run it live. So it's not necessarily about high-speed internet. What worries me about that is Is it that more about offline it, rendering then, in terms of just being having access? It's kind of, yeah, well, it 
basically pre-renders the light field of uh, of the environment. It, it's kind of baking light in a certain way, like very broadly speaking, right? But the problem is people need to use it. And with every of those coins, there is like, you know, it needs to be a market. A lot of people need to use it and a lot of people need to pay with it. And those coins are kind of dependent on where you use them, how to use those tokens, and they need a really flourishing infrastructure. So while Bitcoin certainly works and Ethereum too, or Ether, the question is, can they do it? And I mean, it's great that they're trying, you know, to make an article that Are mentions you, every sorry, do you mean, bullshit technology out there. But yeah. you mean they, there needs to be a certain know. threshold of users that needs to pass for it yeah. to be a not not a profitable, yes. but also like a useful network to be a part of. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I, I guess anything that that is a network based product, like there, you know, you, you need certain network effect, uh, network effect effects to happen uh for it to be something that you'd want to be a part of but i mean i think the idea of it is really interesting so and just to summarize for for listeners and viewers here uh otoy has announced a render token that's what that's their that's the uh base form of the currency these render tokens and uh they're (laughs) they're basically going to be paid to people that are that have idling gpus that are going to give their gpus to to the cluster, to the to the blockchain, so that you can render things for other people. Um, so, presumably, you can then take those tokens and then cash them out. I mean, right? Like that's that's or or, or even change them into other cryptocurrencies, which I think would be an easier form of conversion than it would be to do uh, to cash. So, it's interesting. I think like it's. I'm glad that people are thinking. Uh, like I guess CPU and, and other forms of processing have already pushed a lot of things up to the cloud, right? Like every single search you do on the internet is not, nothing is local in that sense. So GPUs are still really local. Uh, we're, we're still limited by what GPU people are running. And I, this could be a form of like moving past that point and thinking about how, uh, how computers start working together and, and actually rendering bigger things, especially if the demand for higher quality renders are there, which VR and AR are definitely going to bring. So at the same time that, that we're talking here about, we're, we're not talking about uh, a, a up to the cloud search, like a Google search, which mm-hmm. is going up to a maximally efficient configured yes. hardware stack. We're talking about like Joe Gamer with their poorly cooled, overclocked GPU, and raising the ambient <laughs> temperature in, in in a whole bunch of people's living rooms by a couple degrees because yes. because their <laughs> GPU is doing rendering for for Joe Bob's magical forest. You know what? The the, the temperature in the room going higher being a concern is totally real. I've had a smaller room that I lived yes. in, and my computer just heated up the room like. Like no one. Yeah, I used to heat I, my room with Bitcoin, <laughs> and my heating system fell out, and I used Bitcoins to literally not feel freeze to death in the German winter. Oh, if the Russians had that, you know, in those Russian summers, all they need to do is just mine some Bitcoins, and they'll survive the yeah, dead winter. Exactly. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, let's move. Okay. Let's move past Please this one. Stop it. We'll keep it up. We'll we'll take a look at it, at it and see what's going on. Um, as time goes just by. a small notice when i look down it's not rude but when you start videos i need to look down because the internet in germany is very poor and oh and so you don't look at it oh connection. man yes should... <laughs> i'm not i won't I, I won't start videos don't worry peter germany <laughs> so a last week we talked all about photogrammetry the week before we talked, we're talking yes. about mobile ar this week google announced their com- 
competitor. I'm doing the the, the fingers. Uh, competitor to AR mm-hmm. kit called AR Core, which ascent apparently is basically Google Tango's SDK, but with a couple things commented out in terms of the the extra bits of hardware that you don't want to have. I don't know. That's probably an oversimplification of how it works, but um, yeah. Google, I mean Google has been doing mobile slam for a long time and finally they're like okay yes. this is this is when we need to actually push like this uh, this ability to everyone that has a single camera on their phone at least android and that's mm-hmm. updated to um the, it's probably the latest form of android which not every phone has um so it's interesting i we're th- this is i don't know where this is going to go i swear to god like i've used a little bit of ar kit um- We've talked a little bit about it. We don't know how it's going to be implemented, but we'll see over this year, right? And there is one point. Well, well, one right, small he's, point. He's itching. Google to finally, close. yes, like yeah, one small point, and then you can, you can go on. Like the fact that Google actually partner up with Samsung is totally a good thing because it will launch on their Pixel and on the Samsung devices. That means that they instantly will, you know, also reach millions of users. Like we complained or complained last time, you know. The, the, Tango basically has no user base. Now they're changing it. So it's a very good step. Whether it will be good or not, I don't know. There's a developer should tell us. So Anton, what do you think? Yeah, let's turn yeah. it back to you. <laughs> I mean, the thing that, you know, I don't do AR work by and large. I don't do mobile work in general. It's just not my specialization. But as someone who's also a 3D artist, what leapt out at me and excited me about this was the light matching that they're doing to make mm-hmm. it, making objects actually feel like they're in the correct luminance and hue range, which has always been a huge turnoff for me for AR. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of like, oh, look, that looks like a sticker that you've put over your phone screen. That doesn't even close to look like it's in the environment. And this was the first time something did um, in, yes. in something outside of some hyper-specialized tech demo. And so... It aesthetically actually seems seemed interesting. I was like, "Oh, this is the first time I've looked at AR and gone. I might enjoy making art." Right, right, totally. Especially since they have the ambient lighting detection, which is so cool. Like it that using using the camera, they try and estimate where the lighting sources are in the room and light the virtual objects accordingly. Like that is neat. I don't think AirKit has that yet. Yes, that's cool. No. That is super cool. Um, so we'll see. I mean, let's let's put it on the back burner for now. Uh, let's see, let's. If you guys have certain things that you're working on, uh, our listeners and viewers, let us know. I mean, we'd love to feature some of the AR kit and AR core things that we've seen. Um, before we jump into H3, I want to point back to the fact that when we showed this um, treadmill <laughs> that Peter over here was on. It kind of went viral on Twitter, and as and I say viral in terms of VR virality, like there aren't VR tweets don't go that vi- that big, but this one did. Uh, <laughs> has four hundred something likes and a hundred almost one hundred fifty retweets, um, and it's Peter walking on this cool looking treadmill. To Anton, I don't know if you've seen if you saw this. Um, yep, you have. Yep, yeah, and I definitely it's it's <laughs> treadmills are something I've followed for for a while now. Uh-huh. Um, are you still interested yeah. in them? Um, not so much in ones of this size. <laughs> I agree. Bigger ones. Oh, oh you want bigger ones? Oh, I like that. Oh yes, most. <laughs> Me too. I can't. Well, Me too. We've been we've been talking with some uh, some colleagues soon to be a, soon to be close friends uh, related to such things. I can't talk about it right now, but so it's very sweet. exciting. And uh, 
But yeah, so it's, you're, it's you're, one of those things that you're partnering with I a def- hamster ball, right? Like the big bouncing absolutely hamster ball. just going to run like, in them. It's like a fourteen foot wide <laughs> hamster ball. Um, <laughs> we coat the inside of in butter, uh, just because that makes for a more amusing experience for onlookers. So, oh, oh man, that's that'll be a fun one to be a part of. Uh, keep your eyes out on uh, Anton's Twitter page to find the hamster wheel that will come out in a few weeks. Don't, don't quote me so, on that. And before that, help us with making 1,000 shares, likes, or whatever with this funny video. Uh, you you can drop a like if you'd like. I'll just I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. I'm not gonna ask our viewers to get us to a million <laughs> likes today, and we'll give a free giveaway. No, we don't we don't do that here. Not not on this podcast. All right, so let's let's move on to the main topic today. Anton Hand, yes, um, you have made something cool, and I mean, how long have you wor- been working on this? Let's let's just start there, like because I think I've seen um, your, some videos coming from you. Like it's been a few years now. Well, it's, it's been, the, this is the first experiments video would have been, I believe, February of 2016. If you go to my channel, that's, it's, and it's honestly one of those, it's an emergent property of working on this project. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to see a VR game being built from its very first test scene, you can see that on my channel. If we go all the way to the bottom here, pretty much. God, uh, how many videos do damn. you have? Uh, there we go. Virtual object experiments with Steam VR and Unity. One video up. This one? One year ago. Nope, nope, nope. That's that's two. To the one up. To the right. Banana. One down. <laughs> there we there go. We go. What? Um, and before I started, Anton calls... Hot hot dogs, horseshoes, and hand grenades, and meat themed sticking uh, dicking around <laughs> with guns simulator. That's 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 the official title and the genre of app that's out there. Um, let's see how it actually started with the video behind us. Oh, I, I have to yep. mute it. It's a, please, do, yeah, don't have the sound on. <laughs> please don't. My recording quality was terrible. Um, this was this was done so casually because I seriously, when I recorded this, I thought maybe fifty people would look at it. Um, and so it it's I cringe a bit looking back on it. But <laughs> little did you know that's normal. Little did you know. Oh, look at that. That's those are cool models, man. Ooh. That's really interesting. What? Oh, YouTube. What are you doing? Let's go back, YouTube. Um, I thought I thought that I had, when I was had a full screen, I saw the Steam VR thing up here, and I was trying, <laughs> trying to move it. I was like, "Damn it, I can't have that on the stream." Uh, no. Yep, exactly. I didn't know what I was doing when it came to recording of uh, a, a, a video like this. You so. guys should look up Anton Hand as the channel name on YouTube. We'll link it in the show notes for people to find it. Yeah, he really does. You do like once a week, like. Yep, every update. Friday yeah. at 6 p.m. PST is the devlog. Initially, for the first, like, almost a year of the game, um, it was weekly updates. And that was originally spawned by the fact that we launched into early access very, very thin in content. And that that was in part due to community demand. Right. I, I had originally just been doing a bunch of experiments um, in a scene, and as it was getting closer to the Vive launch, I started getting barraged by people being like, can I buy what you have? <laughs> and I'd be like, I have a testing scene with, like, two guns in it and some spheres. What? And it was enough that we, uh, that that it was, it, you know, sort of made that game time decision of, like, can I death march out something early accessible in five more weeks? And so I didn't sleep for those five weeks, and, uh, and we got it on there, but obviously, folks were were you know, with early access titles, 
Certain gamers are like, nope, not touching it because it's early access. Others are just nervous Fine. that you're just going to like abandon it. Right. And so right. I committed early on to like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to do a weekly update. I'm going to demonstrate to you guys that this is the project matters to me and that it's going to continue to grow. And pretty much all those complaints went away in a couple weeks. That's awesome. Um, one question, one question. Yeah. Um, we talked with us before the recording that your experience game is very popular and Why do you think it's so popular? Why were the people who wanted even to have those two guns and few bows? What makes it so special? I think what do you have an answer? I think what jumped out to folks immediately, even back then, is still what draws a ton of people to the project, which is compelling object interactions. You know, every, ah. everything is physical in in H three for better or for worse. Um, you know, each each. Each round going into and out of firearm is physical. Um, I love this video. Yeah, this and really and so because of that, it's I've always I've taken a sort of an opposite philosophy to to experience creation to what I've seen a lot of other folks do, which is that I tend to have a like minimum viable environment for a for a space and put all of the resources and all of the effort into the actual objects that you're interacting with. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's way less so. about the skybox than it is about the thing that's in your yes. hand and, and the thing that you're interacting and shooting with. But regards to physics and interaction, check out so this reload, guys. Like, is yeah, he puts the shells on the bottom. I guess. Our, the, wait, how did that work? <laughs> he just he basically whipped the gun up enough that it moved the shells up, and they contacted the chamber, which loads them, and then <laughs> oh, slammed the gun shut. <laughs> so, so hold up, hold up, Peter. So there's a lot of there's a lot of videos on YouTube like we've been saying of people just like getting really good at <laughs> interacting and reloading these weapons. Um, and that, I mean, I think that it does lead to people coming back to it. Is that there's a certain form of mastery when it comes to H3 VR. You know, you want to master the, your handling of a gun. You've seen you've seen videos of people just being really. Um, suave and stuff with with weapons that really does translate into H3 and, and in terms of how you know you do a cool little like reload and you look like you look like a badass. Um, yep. So and it's 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 one of the other things that separates in a big way my my design philosophy for the game's interactions compared to me. I would say more arcadey shooters, which is that most most. VR games with guns are concerned with making you feel awesome immediately, immediately via the use of it and, and, and shaping your interactions, shaping the way the gun moves around. Whereas in H3, it's much more of a neutral physics simulation with lots and lots of giving you as much agency and control over it as possible. But what that means is that everyone feels cumbersome to begin with. Right. And mastery that you see in these videos is hard earned and quite practice. Yes, but is your goal to do it super realistic? Um, well, I, th I, I, I don't think that the term realism means much. Um, <laughs> In what way? I, I, uh, oh, I just, I think people, I think of it as a term akin to, to, to the word uh, God, in that you have a, if you have a group of people using it, everyone has their own definition of it. Um, and, and so there's a limit to how meaningful that conversation can be. Uh, so in the case of realism, what, what do we mean with that? Meaning like, how to put it? 
how how far do you go? No, no, no. I, I think it's I totally not understand. just the how far do you go, but it's it's what properties of the real of of the quote physical world are even important to you. Right. Which ones do you notice? Um, you know, there's in some really important ways. There's nothing real about this at all because of the core limitations of the technology. Hello. I'll, I'll um, ask you this. I mean, with certain. Um, I'm going to stop it for a second with certain, let's say sports games, especially even VR sports games, like they recommend for, for uh, with, with, with some of these games that recommend, they're like, forget what you know about the sport and think and try and figure out this physics system What's more happening? than it is about replicating what, you know, sport that you were playing before. Um, would you say that, I mean, would you say that's similar in H3 or if you know guns, does that translate into actually using them in, in H3? Like, mm. does that make sense? One second. Are you able Sorry to hear Sorry, guys. Peter? My internet is Peter's poor. Peter's saying so hello, and I don't think he up. can hear you again. Listen. So I think someone needs to click the microphone on their thing. <laughs> Sorry. It's all good. This is why cool. we do it live. <laughs> I, uh, I don't think I'd see him, but we'll, we'll just carry No on. worries. Um, cool. But to answer your question, I think, I think folks who do know uh, firearms come into H3 and very frequently um, they need to know what buttons do and that's the that, that's their hump and then from there they just run with it. I've seen it a number of times I've heard it reported a lot um, they, they because a lot of the learning curve in H3 isn't necessarily just a control issue. It's an understanding what the machine is doing um, it's, it's, it's understanding how like how do I take this unloaded and non-readied firearm and a magazine and get it to the readied position and utilize it? Yeah, so. and I mean, to that point, I think that that's what I mean in terms of realism is how much of the re- knowing things from reality translate into H3. So it, it is, I mean, based in reality for, in, in a way for sure. Um, oh, most certainly. It's more more to say. I don't. I don't necessarily like calling it saying that realism is the ultimate goal because obviously every single trick that the this fellow is doing in here would, if not be impossible, be utterly implausible. Totally, totally. Just because of the way that things like friction work um, and the mass of objects and things like that. Um, That's fair. But in terms of the way that they're representing the way the objects function, I try to be as honest to the the real life object as i can. so talking about realism i think this is a perfect example of how realistic uh h3 actually gets <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is how what we're looking at what frame rate not <laughs> i'm always amazed that people who do this can even get like a 60 fps recording for our podcast listeners oh. there's a player in h3 that <laughs> took a gun i think it was started with a pistol and added as many scopes as you can and even an antler uh an antler what do you call it um yeah it's rudolph's an antler. antlers and rudolph's nose there that was from our christmas update <laughs> i'm sorry meat miss update um and it's to the point that it's like this huge uh you know two foot fi- two foot radius oh no two foot diameter looking device and that has three american flags on it because you know fuck yeah america that's why uh america (laughs) so yeah i mean you can go wild with it you can stay realistic with it you can you can play it as a gun simulator you can play it as a silly shoot 'em up simulator and with not real humans but you know you have robots and and hot dogs and things that you can shoot at and barrels of course 
Gotta have a couple barrels. Um, oh, and shoot confetti. That's <laughs> yes, there's a 12 gauge oh, shell in the game, game called a Freedom Fetty. Ooh, nice. Freedom this. Fetty. Yeah, sorry which, guys. Which I'm has really the sorry. red, white, and blue confetti and a great little derpy honk noise that plays. <laughs> so, oh, hello, Peter. Delightful. He's back. <laughs> it's all good. Um, so yeah, th these are really just really cool, fun examples of what people have been doing uh, with VR, with H three in, in particular, and because user generated content, I'd say is still pretty rare with VR users. Like not that many people record video of footage of them or streams of streams of them doing things. Uh, and so if it's compelling enough for someone to actually get good at it and then want to post a cool video and then it actually does really well i'd say there's something there's something to it um and i think it's it's especially if you want to jump to the akimbo reloads uh video i think part and parcel with that on the on the sort of opposite side of mastery i think one of the reasons that content with h3 has gone viral is that with physics active objects you the, the sort of dignity of having that is the ability to fail in all sorts of uh, delightfully Whoa. kinematic ways at whatever task you're doing so, check, so let's check this, this out guys video. yeah this is <laughs> why don't you tell us what's going on well we've got like the two coolest handguns imaginable two desert eagles <laughs> and it's zero gravity and he goes to reload them in zero gravity and Fri friction and uh, inertia have other things to say about this. Um, <laughs> so it's pretty funny because the person, yeah, tries to reload the first gun, slides the uh, the gun through the clip, works fine. The left hand handed gun, he tries to slide through, doesn't work, and then the clip starts floating around in midair, kind of like how it would in zero g. And he's trying to reload the thing. Himself. Two guns oh, now, it's just hilariously not working. Um, I don't know if in audio form that this video makes sense, but you got to see it. it <laughs> he gets excited and shoots himself. <laughs> uh, yep. That's at almost but, a million views. Like that is really neat. Uh, I saw this on YouTube. I saw this on on a bunch of different gaming posts on Facebook, Twitter, even. Uh, so it's hilarious. I saw it actually on Twitter first as someone saying, "I fucking hate VR," and it was this video, <laughs> and I died laughing because you know you you understand what's going on. And the first two videos of H3 to like make it to the top of our all on Reddit oh, really? were both essentially failure videos. One of the, they had, got, you know, a popular YouTuber had done a video of H3 and in one case it was oh, just I another Redditor sort yes, of mimicking it's great. Uh, that person had just basically, it was a sequence of failing at every <laughs> single firearm. So like I pick up a, a handgun and I can't get the mag in and I try to load shells and a shotgun and I fail at it. And that was incredibly compelling yes. to people because it's, I think it's indicative it communicates so well the possibility space of hand tracked um, VR that like right. a platform has to be so advanced in terms of how it is taking your input to have the nuance required for physical comedy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so I think I, it was both a funny video, but also I think was really great at communicating to the general game gaming audience. Oh, wow. This is what hand tracking means because it, it, it doesn't make sense otherwise it has you you have no frame of reference of what that means to have controllers and in, in, in your hand that you're physically interacting with these objects and that there is the chance of success or failure at every single interaction rather than a press x to reload right like so yeah it, it, it makes total sense then that failure videos are going to be are, are 
interesting, funny, and also relatable enough to people that haven't even played that would make it go viral. So that's that's really fascinating. I'd love to. But interaction in VR is a tricky topic. I mean, you have, for example, things like the interaction on Canyon Valley, where where you when you design your VR environment too realistic you would necessarily lose performance of people and also their ability to believe in it. Now, would you say that the slightly goofy, realistic approach of uh, those handguns and you're floating and trying to do it just diminishes this uncanny value of interaction, so it just prevents it? Or To that point, it's like when I was talking earlier about how the goal is not r realism, even not in, when we're not in a, in a zero-G video like this, one big divergence from the real world I made, week one, and never changed it, although you can change it now as a user, is that I don't use real gravity. Yeah. Um, gravity is much lower, and I've, I've manipulated the air drag on a number of things. And that has to do with the fact that in real life, when you drop an object, it's basically on the ground before you realize you've dropped it. Mm. There is no time left for you to like hesitate and try to recover from that air. Whereas in H3, I think I have gravity set to like, three and a half meters or four meters mm -hmm. per second acceleration downward, which gives you this ability to like, if you start to drop something, you can still catch it uh, again and things like that. And a couple people have complained every now and again, but by and large, it tends to be the most pleasurable way. And Interesting. I think that so, it's it's so that <laughs> recovering from your mistakes, right? That you accounted for that. And, and that in of itself is a satisfying interaction that you can have. That's really well, neat. Oh, okay. oh, wow. It's easier to balance things. Um, it's And also, it's a way of, of dealing with some of the limitations of the physics engine in that small objects tend to fall through things exactly. when you use realistic gravity, especially I'm, I'm butting up against the limitations of the physics engine everywhere mm -hmm. uh, in H3 because cartridges are tiny. Yes. I mean, you just saw so. it in the video with a zero G where when he was trying to stiff um, the magazine inside uh, the gun, it was kind of going through the material. Like games yeah. are not having, or at least in Unity, I think it's not that easy to do very realistic um, physics or things just cannot go through each other and stuff or just collide and it's done and there's force and bending. I wouldn't want to blame that one on Unity. That's that's physics, <laughs> and that's that's present in a in a number of engines. So yeah. I just there's plenty of things that I can blame Unity for. <laughs> just get me going. <laughs> that one is not their fault. That one is just, and it's importantly, it's it's important when we talk about game physics engines in general. For almost the entire life of them, they've had to do things like. I need to move a two meter tall capsule that represents a player yeah. across a smooth. Or I need to do a vehicle with four wheels right? oh, sure. that sticks to the ground well with a nice motor model. Whereas in this case, it's like the, that that AKM on screen there is probably three times the physics complexity mm -hmm. of most vehicles in most games, most and that's likely. before we and that's so, before we get to the magazines and mm -hmm. attachments. Exactly. And you have so what what goes into that? I mean, I, I, you say say hearing you say that. I don't. I guess I can't really understand where that complexity comes in. Uh, where do you? Yeah. Where do, where do you start? And uh, where? How have you made these guns more complex? Basically, the the part of it is just having a, a complex enough physics representation of the shape of the gun, such that when you're hitting other objects at mm -hmm. critical contact surfaces, it looks accurate. Most games fudge the physics yes. complexity 
of their entities dramatically because it doesn't matter. You won't notice the fact that like, oh no, when I put that on top of just that side part of the rifle, it didn't collide right. No one's going to notice that until you're actually holding it in your hand and it's covering most of your screen. Um, the second part of it is many of these have pieces that move, um, and in the case of attachments, that you can essentially build a complex hierarchy onto any firearm you hold. So even mm -hmm. if you're not doing something ridiculous like the Rudolph monster there, you know, taking, taking a rifle, putting on several rail adapters, a scope, you know, mm. an aim point, a flashlight, a laser, the physics complexity of that, of that firearm is now about five times what it started as. In mm -hmm. Number of separate entities, trigger volumes, etc. Um, which is one of the reasons why this is, this is single player and this will always be single player. Um, this is, why, why is that? I mean, I don't, I don't. it's a tremendous, even before we get to the, the, I would say there's two sides of it. One is one person holding two firearms, firing them full auto mm. is in, in H3 is about as much as your CPU can take. <laughs> Cause mm -hmm. you just, your, every single bullet would, that's being, put. Oh yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got a, a very complex ballistic simulation in here that is doing ricochet material penetration. To build it yourself. Um, Oh. It uh, some of it was migrated over from a prior non-VR prototype that I had spent just about six months just playing around with making an an interesting ballistic system that reacted to materials. In that game, it was to tr was actually had stemmed from an interest in the way that in in all of these shooter games we never simulate nor narratively reckon with the yes. idea of collateral damage. No, no. That like that that it, when Nathan Drake is running through a town shooting yeah. bad guys with an AK-47, those rounds are going somewhere and they're probably hitting someone's kid inside yeah. of the building. So <laughs> Nathan Drake is a monster. And yet that never gets reflected in any of our games and narratives, in part because we don't try to simulate. Yes. The moment of the moment around is no longer hitting an enemy or a cool exploding thing. Exactly. It doesn't matter. So another question. So maybe it's not uh, very clear to anyone in our audience. Like maybe some people never played around with game engines and colliders. So uh, just, I will try to explain it in my words and correct me if I'm wrong. When you have usually your, mm, let's say, Counter-Strike and you have your weapons. So weapons have some kind of box collider around them. So they don't necessarily have the shape represented so they look like they are looking like an ak-47 but you just can't you know you can you can't really hit the walls through them and they don't have all those details and flexibility now as far as i understood you so far every part of your weapon is represented as a physical object in the game which is yes. compared to the car the car is just a box collider some kind of mesh and it kind of looks fine, but there is no way you could really make fluids run through it in a physical correct way. Now, if some kind of fluid or some kind of other ways would go through the weapons, it could technically be very realistic, right? And that adds the complexity. Um, it's I'm still using uh, using a far abstraction compared to the real topology yeah. of these. Even you know, even our fast computers now would not be able to handle if I, you know, the the draw mesh on that G22 there. It's yeah. like 7,000 tries. I would say that it's physics representation all put together is like 800 oh. or so. It's, it's every surface that matters, but that's still far beyond 
the way that that tends to ever be represented. Exactly, and Anton. Uh, it looks like because it's not needed. It almost looks like you added you you added a form of like the rec room avatars, and you actually now get to kill them and blow them the hell up because of how a non-violent rec room is. It's it's kind of satisfying. That's that's cool. These are these are these are my Mark II wiener bots. They are in fact still made of meat. Um, there, that's so that's why it's a meat grinding simulator or a meat based uh, dicking around with guns simulator. Um, indeed. Tell us a little bit about what just came out. You said you've been working on a big update. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is the video for the, this is the update kind of devlog that yep. we're looking at. Yeah. Yep. This is part of it. Basically, um, the, the big thing for this, for this one is that back, uh, last Halloween, um, we released something called Meat Grinder, which was a, a I would call it a genre experiment. Okay. Um, a lot of H3's scenes are what I would call genre experiments, which is we have these incredibly realist firearms that diverge in the way that they function from the way that firearms tend to function in games. What are the design ramifications of that when we slam that together with survival horror? What are the design ramifications when we slam that with something more arcadey? Um, and so Meat Grinder is the survival horror uh, version of that. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, it, the, the initial version, the initial mode was produced in about, what was that? Maybe three and a half weeks um, back how many before people? last holiday. Um, let's see, me working constantly, um, three other members of the team working part-time on it, uh, a voice actor, um, and, and a few ancillary assets made by other contractors. So, Do you finance your whole living awesome. through the game? Is it like the only job you have? Uh, currently, yes. Nice. Yes. It's very I'm, impressive. I'm, I'm, you're, I think you're one of the I'm, lucky ones. Oh, I'm 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 aware of it, and I must admit, it, it makes me feel a little guilty sometimes. Uh, no, I don't think don't think of it that way. Think of it, dude. You're working on your passion project that is doing exactly. really well, and you're. Clearly, like you, you gain pleasure from from working on this thing, and and so are so is your audience. Like that's that's a good place to be in VR right now. I don't say a oot, lot of apps aren't my there. existence. <laughs> Do you a, have yourself a, a lot of experience with weapons? Uh, I would say that I have a a moderate amount uh, as far as the scale operates for Americans. Okay. So, Ooh, that's no, a good I, way to put I it. Was, I, I I was I was you know I was taught to 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 fire. A firearm initially by an uncle who hunts, um, you know, was interested in them as a kid. Um, my brother owns a whole bunch of them still. Um, and it's, I, I was always, my interest in them when I was young was primarily as, as the, my, as an interest in, in machines and in the way that mm -hmm. you have this incredibly wide, um, variety of ways of solving the same simple problem, which is kinetic energy delivery that is man portable, that doesn't break down, and and seeing the sort of especially and then doing even further research for for the game, seeing the engineering history, especially in the past like hundred thirty years, has just been such a fascinating research topic for me. Um, mm. In part as well because by replicating these many of these items in a virtual environment has been a way to learn about them and mm. learn about their 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 relationship to the human body how they're held how they line up with the eye when you hold them in front of you um it's in some ways it's almost like an experiment like if they were older i would call it experimental archaeology 
Okay. Would you say uh, would you say that maybe the popularity of your game is due to the fact that a lot of people in America are afraid that their guns are going to be taken away and they want to, you know, keep them at least virtually? I don't know if you can I, go that far. I, I don't think that fair was... I'm kidding, was, by the uh, way. I don't think that fair it's was, a joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's really a joke. I definitely... Well, it's, it's funny, though, because I would definitely say that the popularity of the game in, say... Because people have just said this explicitly to me over and over, of the game in, say, Germany and Sweden, is the, like, absolutely unabiding gun lust that uh, you both Really? Yes. Really? Because of... Because of Yeah, because of lack of access compared to America. I mean, if you if, if guns are your religion in the U.S., you just move to Texas. Right. Uh, Texas is a state is a state shaped church to firearms. I thought Arizona was, or is that is, it, is Texas kind of the state that you want to be in for guns? I think it's more along the lines that the just the, that's where the biggest groups are. Okay. That's where you that can find your thing. homies. If yeah. You want, if you yeah, if it, if you wanted that to be a really big social experience. <laughs> um. And so, and so, yeah, so I think in, in, I would say that a, a majority of the people who actually, no, I don't know if a majority is either gun or non-gun gun owners. I don't, I haven't looked at the data enough. There is a equal mix, uh, of them. And, uh, it's, I mean, it's yeah, I definitely think the game functions as a way to get for a lot of people remark, like, this is the closest I'll ever get to this right. in my life. True. So I have a virtual machine gun now, and this is. For a lot of people, it's definitely in the like, well, that's good enough. Yep. Yeah, that's absolutely. All I yeah, I mean, getting a real gun and going to a real shooting range is, you know, that's um, the whole thing. Um, it's expensive. It yeah, is. It is. And, and, that's the, and that's the thing gun owners yes. say to me all the time is they're like, man, I still go to the range. Okay. But now I go to the range like once a month and save myself <laughs> right. some money. And the rest of the time, I load up H3. And that would have been like, $600 That makes sense. Right. One, right. One, one other critical question to be the devil's advocate. So in Germany, unfortunately, we always have this big debates after a mass shooting and how those killer games are training our children to, you know, use weapons. Mm. While the argument was so far very easy to distract, you know, Counter-Strike is definitely not training you how to repair a weapon. How would you, um, you know, fight those arguments from those rather crazy politicians? And I'm pretty sure we'll face this debate and we need to defend ourselves as VR people. I think anyone who has fired a real firearm a significant amount of time it understands even even with the fidelity of all this just how far it is away uh, from the real thing mm. from you know balance actual mass the object and the fact the most important part that when you are firing a real firearm it's an explosion that's happening yeah true like a meter away from your face and there's nothing that the combination of an HMD and your and your headphones can do to replicate how overwhelming that sensory mm. experience is. So I don't think even if someone's pl played a thousand hours at H3 and has never fired a real weapon, if they then picked up like a machine gun or something like that, I don't think they would be sensorially prepared mm. any more than a person to deal with how intense wait, that experience Wait, 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 wait. We will put you on a huge treadmill. We will put some kind of uh, boost bag with tactical feedback, reshaped controllers, a smell device, um, some kind <laughs> of vestibular stimulation. Because you need um, the smell. <laughs> <laughs> and then I will be the be nurse. Off just firing a blank gun, like having a person outside yeah. the VR environment yeah. just firing it a foot from their face. Yeah. So. Have you been approached so by the army? Have you been approached by people who want to use I it mean, for training? We, we, 
oh yeah, we've been approached by a number of people in that sort of context, and it's honestly, it's games are more fun and Russian don't Secret Service involve, and don't involve. <laughs> I mean, I mean, defense appropriation <laughs> contracts. That is that is that is a whole different That's way whole, of life, yeah. and it's a way a way of life that I'm not terribly interested in, even before get I get into the in, the sort of ethical components of it. I mean, your of, your experience looks so much fun, you know. So it's just gorgeous and should not be mistaken. Um, in terms of content that you keep adding to to H3, I'm guessing there's always new guns that are being added. I mean, is there any kind of... I, I guess the question I'm trying to reach at is, is have you been approached by, what, Smith & Wesson or something, like a real gun manufacturer that is interested in letting people try out guns before they buy them? Like, is that... No, and, and importantly, and this is something, I was, I was actually approached very early on by, uh, by a firm that develops um, laser sights mm -hmm. of various kinds, like red dots, where it's mounted to, to the firearm, you pick it up, you look down it, and where the dot is overlapping the environment is pretty much where the firearm is pointing. Right. And I said very early on that I didn't want to, to do anything. They were interested in the, like, we'd like to advertise our aim points. And I was like, look, all of the critical optical properties that make a red dot on a firearm yeah. work are not represented by a rasterizer in a VR headset. No. This, is a, this is a fixed focal plane mm. in an HMD. No matter how far away something is, my eyes are effectively behaving as though it is all a couple inches away from me, mm -hmm. which means that any sighting mechanism on a firearm, from iron sights to a scope to a red dot, do not behave the same way. As they, as they do in real life. And so fundamentally, you cannot represent that product honestly using the technology. And similarly, and I would say this is true of firearms as well. Like they're, 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 yeah, you can definitely jump into H3 and be like, wow, this would be great to have in real life. But that's <laughs> so much more about its aesthetics mm. and about elements of like areas where you're operating it we still aren't getting a sense of the feel of it, the weight, the actual recoil impulse, our edges on it sharper, they blunt. Do I like the feet, the tactile feeling of metal versus polymer? Like all the, most of the critical decisions that one would make involving say a firearms purchase cannot be represented yeah. in, in this technology stack and to purport to represent them. Yeah, it's kind of misleading. Advertising them would be lying. Yeah, that's totally and fair. So I mean, but very honest aren't opinion. You, aren't you? Yeah, I was gonna say, aren't you losing potential revenue and and, and like different routes for H three to go to, go by by being as honest as you are in terms of how where VR is and are are you thinking I about mean, where things I are mean, gonna go I, in a I few mean, years? I mean, maybe, but at the same time, it's like why produce advertising that isn't effective, especially when we're talking about an advertising, a, a platform to utilize it, that it would be a factor of a hundred more expensive or a factor of a thousand more expensive yeah. than existing sorts of platforms. And at the end of the day, because it is, is fundamentally dishonest, it wouldn't reflect well on myself, Rust, or the brand being represented. So it's fundamentally self-defeating. And I think it needs to be nipped in the bud and that like mm. there are certain things this medium is capable of informing people of and representing as from an advertising context. And then there's a whole bunch of that that's bullshit. <laughs> and we need to call it out aggressively. Oh my god. As so much in love is your point. Or, or, or it will damage yes. the medium. Yes. Us, I mean, so right. Yeah, if you can go into details to like what what some examples going to come to mind in terms of that? 
I mean, I haven't really seen much just because it's 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 well. Here's here's one. Here's a fu- here's a funny one of of a way in which the on the other side the honesty quote unquote mm-hmm. of VR can be problematic to an industry, which is architectural visualization. Mm-hmm. Um, the way ArcViz typically works, when you have like a firm coming up with an idea of a building, presenting it to a possible client, this is what we're going to build you for, you know, $50 million. Well, it's the arch- architects are designing it and a construction firm builds it. They will have traditionally presented renders mm-hmm. to that client, static images. And the beauty about a render is that it's from the perspective of a camera and cameras lie. Mm. Cameras are a device designed for lying in a really important yes. way, at least in the modern context. And so you can play around with your focal distance, your mm-hmm. FOV, how you're framing the shot to tell a certain story about what the eventual experience in that building is going to be. If you rep, if you build that building as a 3D model and then put your eyes standing in that building now with its real dimensions, I can no longer fib to you about what it, say, feels like from the view of a very expensive box seat in a stadium being built, sort of, like, oh, wow, the court looks a lot smaller from up here Mm -hmm. than I thought it did. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is something that I experienced in the past, was this very sequence of events playing out was a client perhaps being a little surprised about a design that they thought they had a mental representation of, about what it was going to be from other media forms, and then they stepped into it in VR and went, wait a second. So So um, I guess is the point that you're trying to make with that example is that VR is a good alternative in that sense, or... I'm saying saying it it depends on who from whose perspective. From the potential client's perspective, it's great. Yes. From the perspective of an industry that is used to being able to stretch the truth a little mm-hmm. bit in terms of selling their idea and vision, it might be a little less optimal. And I don't I'm not trying to like accuse all architects here <laughs> no, 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 representing no. what they're making. But this is we all know how business goes yeah. when it comes to tens of millions of dollars projects and everyone has to feel good about it over sure. the course of it. And representing uh, using VR to provide a more simulatory vision of what's being but, done it could be a buzzkill. But wouldn't that mean that the architects are kind of not they will not use VR because it kind of shows too much truth, right? So they will like Possi- well, or they'll use it in certain contexts and and not in others. Um, huh. But I I I, I think it. Uh, what I'm saying is that it undermines the argument that I've seen made, which is that something like VR is universally going to be an improvement. Oh come on! Yeah, I mean, we, the, the, just because oh. visualization of something is not just about yep. accurate. Exactly, it's about but vision. Um, but I mean, your your game is a very good experience of how much work and how much love can go into those small details. And I'm really fed up with, you know, companies going to marketing agencies, you know, and thinking that those marketing agencies, because they are bullshitting them all the way, can build them a the nice VR product, you know? It takes years to build something super optimized for this particular task. This marketing agency, especially here in Germany, there are a lot of them, they build beautiful prototypes for fairs or whatever. But then the customer doesn't get any other benefits than just the visual. And just, you know, making all those small things work. Like in your case, those are the firearms, how they do it. In other cases, it will be how you plan things, how you interact with things, how you model physics. Just so much work. 
And it can't be just done trickly. And VR is not a solution. VR is an option. And it can do great things, right? Let's just not forget well, that VR is a tool rather, not, yeah, rather than a solution. Software. Like, uh, uh, yeah. um, it's yeah, software built in VR can be a solution. Right. Like VR and, is, is, is just a tool. Change. Exactly. And sometimes oh. people get too caught up on, on a method of a, like you have a problem and you have the solution, but sometimes people get caught up on the method and, and that method is some VR. Mm. Like that, that's why it's a tool rather than the end goal itself. You, know, you can get to the same resolution in other ways, but like in, in just a different route. So, no, VR is definitely can be great for a lot of things, but I, I, I like that point in terms of like the way certain industries are already made right now uh, <laughs> require a certain stretching of truth or a certain bit of expectations and and renders being able to wow people. Um, and you're and you're the point you're trying to make is that VR sometimes can uh, can be tricky when trying to push the same things. However, I think a counter counter a counterpoint to that would be that just make better products or something or make, make better runners, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> and also the counterpoint to how VR represents things is that I think that because VR can represent certain things very, if not realistically, then an incredibly high fidelity in a novel sensory experience like this incredible canyon that we're sitting in here, people will, and it's, it's, it's why marketing using VR, I hesitate sometimes is because people will then assume that mm -hmm. because those things are real, that everything that they then experience in that same VR experience is equally real, yes. is equally an honest representation. And that's, and that's right. It's hard for people to draw. And that's not the case. Draw a line of like, what is real? Um, I'll make yes. a point here. Yep. A few minutes ago, something happened on the big screen side where the camera froze. And so I cut the stream because it just oh. wasn't making sense having, uh, us stuck in a weird position so but it's okay we're still recording podcast is still going on um we, no we are pretty much running up on our hour now um if there's a couple things you, you that you want to point out to people uh actually let's talk a little bit how people can find you anton hand what what's your twitter yeah, handle? I'm, I'm i'm at anton hand on twitter anton hand uh anton hand on youtube um yep. I, I I tagged the hot dogs uh, the the H3 uh, Twitter handle as well in the Twitter uh, podcast stream that uh, you guys can find there. Um, Peter, oh, we'll throw this in the show notes. We'll have it in the show notes. You guys can find us at Research VR Cast uh, on Twitter, and you can email us at researchvrcast at gmail.com. Yes. Uh, we got a really cool message actually from someone listening to the Subpack episode talking about um, tini tinnitus, right? That's, that's how we say it. I, I can't seem to pronounce tinnitus. 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 See, yeah. I, every time I say it, I, I say it wrong. Um, she was talking, uh, she gave us some really cool. Oops. Oh, I can't find it. There it is. Um, about how to uh, some some interesting theory as to uh, how tinnitus actually can be cured, and, and rather than a bottom up, you know, something that's wrong with your ears, it's more of a top down approach where it's more mental. Actually, you can kind of if you can control how you think about uh tinnitus or yep. how you can respond to it then you can change how you perceive it so we'll we'll post the links up that were posted here thank you petra g for posting it um really interesting um and for in terms of show notes i think uh we've talked about all we need to talk about us uh thank you oh. anton for showing up man like this has been really cool uh my pleasure 
First podcast in VR. Yeah, baby. Hooray. First this of many. Definitely preferable to like it's sitting awesome. and leaning forward and staring at a Skype window. Exactly. No, it's exactly. awesome. So this Completely is this is despite it, I know it's I know it's so much more that you have to juggle from a tech perspective. <laughs> it's deeply appreciated. Yeah. This is I, I'm just blown away at how much more this feels. Yeah. I'm more relaxed doing yes. this because you both feel so much more here. Right. Yeah, and real and human here. Yep, and it, it, it's 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 so much better than like trying to like stare at a tiny video. Window. Yes, yeah, exactly. So and get best thing, research VR, the first VR, uh, the first podcast that all three, or at least myself, uh, you can house these podcasts not wearing any pants. That's a pretty pretty big plus, yes. and nobody will know. Yeah. So until I tell them. So thank you everybody for joining us. Uh, join us next week for another pantsless episode. Uh, so this with... episode is so going to be NSFE. <laughs> you mean NSFW? Yes. yes. I'm so gonna flag it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think we need to do that. Hopefully there aren't any weird things sticking out of our bodies. Uh, thank you, Anton, for joining in. Uh, it's been great talking to you about realism, uh, the physics of guns, and and actually how marketing in vr sometimes can be not uh truly representative of what people claim for it to be um he's a he knows his stuff about vr just follow him he, he posts some really cool things on twitter uh follow awesome. us uh, like we've mentioned thank you everybody for being here and uh catch us next week live again at 10 a.m on um on facebook we are live streaming on facebook on twitter we're live streaming on youtube we're live streaming uh i think those are all three we might even be on twitch sometimes uh thank you everybody for being here and we'll see you next week